clear in the throat. Mm. Welcome to another podcast. This is Under the Bar, the Icon Performance Health Podcast, the place where we like to go balls deep. We do from time to time, Tom. And uh, on our first date, perhaps. I'd like to start this show by actually just giving my congratulations to our uh, executive producer Cam. Well, he is actually a, a human. He's, he's a human person. He's here, and he's been some significant developments on the female front with him. Yes, and uh, with his uh, Kim Kardashian-like. Bluesy. Yes, and it's been we've been doing this show for almost eighteen months or, or more mm. now, Rod, and mm. this is really the first hard, yeah, concrete, yeah. balls deeping. It's, it's breakthrough that we've breakthrough got from Cam, and I think that's really exciting. So that's yeah, I'm sure know. our listeners will appreciate that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, now, what they will appreciate, Rod, yes. is our big show coming up today. Massive. This one's exciting. Dan Garner will be back for a series. Looking this is this is good stuff. This. At recovery, mm, mm. and uh, today it's going to be segment one, part one of his recovery series. He's going to be talking about, or this is an overview to recovery. Yeah, it paints a bit of a picture, I think, of what goes on. And essentially, Rod, what we're looking at with recovery is the stress recovery adaptation cycle. Yeah, and as the Dan has, has mentioned previously on the podcast, what we actually do in the gym is the stimulus. You don't grow in the gym. You don't get stronger in the True. forty minutes while yep. you're in there. That's yep. disrupting homeostasis while we're in there. Yes, and then what happens in between that session and the next, and over the course of the week and your yes. recovery is yep. where the magic happens. And the one takeaway from listening to Dan about all this stuff for me is. I kind of feel like if I'm not in a place mentally, physically, with business or whatever else is going on to recover properly, I probably shouldn't actually try and bust my balls because it, 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 it seems to be counterproductive. Yeah, that, that I, I, I really think if you're trying to take your physique to that next level, 100%, you know, you really need to dot eyes, cross t's, make sure everything is in synergistically uh, in harmony with that, that yes. end goal to enhance that recovery. And I, I think uh, you know Dan's going to allude to what we can actually do to help that, but. Yep. But I think from a just a, a maintenance perspective, you can probably get away with uh, having a few chinks in the armor. Which, yeah. and we'll talk about you know my and your experiences in regards to that for sure. Yeah, but we'll hear from Dan. Excellent. That's exciting. Now, mate, this one's really exciting. Our feature guest on this episode is going to be Salim Satir. Yes. And most of our listeners probably don't know too much about Salim. He keeps a low profile. He's very underground. But but those in the know uh, know of him. You know. Yeah. Well, we had to do some sniffing around to sort of ask, who's the best person to talk yep. about this? And they gave me a little piece of paper folded up, said, you know, contact <laughs> us at, at midnight tonight and uh, sent an email that a friend of a friend of a friend and finally got in touch with him. Mm. But Salim Satir, is, well, he, he was a, a bodybuilder. He preps a lot of IFBB pros. Yeah. And he grew up in Turkey, had a very strong athletic background. He moved to Canada. He mm. won the uh, Mr. New Brunswick heavyweight and then the overall mm. 2005, I think that was. Very smart guy. He's got a doctorate in civil engineering. Mm. He's got various business interests. He's quite mm. entrepreneurial. Mm. But one of the things he does, and I guess his specialty, is working with individuals who are looking to sort of seek healthier alternatives to optimizing the, I guess, the anabolic side of bodybuilding and to minimize potential risk in those avenues. And in the, the course of doing that, he's developed a very strong knowledge of applying the use of peptides. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and that's uh, I had have uh, have had a couple of conversations, uh, consults really, with him over the the past sort of six to eight months, and um, yeah, a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, but uh, he's very passionate. When, when you hear him talk, he's uh, he's, a, he's very a really passionate. And, and he came on this episode to talk about peptides. He didn't want to be promoted. He no. just wanted to do it to educate people if they if people want to listen and they want to yeah. learn about that. That's what he's here to do, and so. 
it's a bit of a murky world when you're looking at the anabolic side of things, but the reality yes. is, is that professional bodybuilders do that, yes. and peptides can be used as well, but for the average individual, there are now peptide clinics in city. There's one right Correct, down the yeah. road from where we're recording this podcast yeah. now, where you can walk in off the street, have a consult with a doctor, see someone, get prescribed peptides for anti-aging, and you've mentioned this one of your uh, clients has. Uh, yep, I have a female client who went and had a consult mm. and is taking some peptides and has been doing that for a 14 week period. Mm. And so there's all different applications for yep. these things. And so what we want to do is try and shed some light on a topic which I don't know that much about. Mm. And uh, our listeners probably don't either. And, mm. you know, it's an education, not an endorsement, yeah. an education. Yeah, not a how to, but a, a bit of an overview of what, of what they're all about. And, um, you know, so we have a. Uh, armed our, uh, ourselves and our listeners with a bit of information. Yep, so we will uh, have Salim Satir talking about peptides. That one will be fascinating. Aside from that, Rawdon, I don't know that there's that much else for us to talk about right well, now. The, the, the modafinil, we're going uh, oh, yeah, we, to have we, a chat about. We'll do that on the other side of this thing. Under the bar, there was a listener email from Kerry came in during the week. Uh, Thank you so much for your amazing podcast. I look forward to each new episode. Thank you, Kerry. On the last episode, the topic of nootropics was fascinating. I have been looking into modafinil. Are you able to share the website that you ordered the product from? Keep up the awesome podcast. I responded uh, to Kerry. I gave her the little sneaky, sneaky... Backdoor website, yeah. Much like Dubois fashion. Ah, yeah, the murky world of sneaky, sneaky, yep. Anyway, she replied back, saying, I just ordered some, but reviewing the WADA prohibited list, I have seen that it is prohibited in my natural bodybuilding comps, IMBA and ANB. Darn. I guess my husband will have to enjoy this one. I will have to try the Premaracetam and Tyrosine instead. Yes. Thanks, keep up the amazing podcast. Well, the husband may or may not enjoy the modafinil (laughs) you know you might want to shed some light onto your your experience Mm. well we spoke about that and how horrific i found it yes the uh the primary mistake i made is i didn't do any research before i took it in typical dubois fashion yeah mate balls deep just jump in there balls deep took it to uh, a massive 200 milligram dosage with a a triple shot coffee nice Uh, of course modafinil is hugely synergistic with caffeine and Uh so uh i was basically really enhanced the effects (laughs) i was (laughs) Awake in a horrific state of anxiety for mm, around mm. about 36 hours. Probably a nervous eye twitch as well. Yeah, it was horrible. <laughs> but um, what we're saying now is the recommended dosage, if you are going to have a crack, is 50 yeah. milligrams a day. Right. And you don't take it with any other stimulants because it's perfectly fine just as it is. Mm, Rawdon, mm. your client, IFBB Pro James Kant, mm. has been loving the modafinil ever since. Yes. Um, he's been using 50 milligrams a day or two days on, one day off, or every second day. Um, yeah. And I was talking to him in the gym during the week. He thinks it's fantastic for the cognitive function, yeah. training drive. Yeah. He doesn't take any other stimulants uh, around that, no coffee or anything, just yep. the modafinil. Okay. He finds it a real um, benefit. benefit. Yeah. He does say that the sleep has been disrupted because yeah. it is designed for people with narcolepsy. It's designed to keep everyone awake. Well, you know, I, I, they thought I had narcolepsy there for a while. <laughs> yes. you know, the uh, micro-sleeps. The micro-sleeps. But, uh, but I haven't. So he takes likes to take a bit of the, the fenny butt and yeah. some GABA at night times to sort of counteract the... Um, yeah, I dare say he's pumping the magnesium. I think he gets about 1,000 milligrams of mag in there at, at night time as well. But he's very uh, in tune with cognitive function and really... Uh, notices if, if, if there's a decline in calories for him 
you know, when the calories do come down, as they invariably have to, energy intake, intake has to come down, you know, as he prepares for, for his uh, show, um, he really notices the, the decline on cognitive function. So mm. really savvy with that side of things. So if, um, if he's given it a, a, a thumbs up to improve his performance and your um, drive and, and all of the above, then, uh, then it will be certainly worth a try. However, like you said, the caveat will be for any of the, the natural federations, um, you know, uh, not to be used because it's, uh, it's on the banned list, the, the banned wider list. Hmm. Now, the other thing that that led us to was we've spoken about Yahimbi yeah. uh, on the program before, and I do believe in the INBA and the ANB, that is on the banned list as well. Although yeah. it's hard to find... Sniffing around on WADA and uh, ASADA, we couldn't, we couldn't, couldn't find, find a, a band. So it might be a well and truly in that Dubois method murky world. The murky grey area where, uh, where well, Rod and Dubois lurks. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I couldn't find it on the band list. But but again, I had a, a touch of the modafinils with the uh, Yuhimbin. Yes. Uh, <laughs> similar to you and uh, pumped uh, for our listeners. Uh, you know, maybe... Let our listeners, if they are going to dabble with the Yuhimbi, and again, you, you can't order it in Australia. It has to be through a, a website. And um, any of these uh, substances that are uh, you know, not for sale in Australia, you do on the risk of customs seizing them and mm. uh, you know, asking you to come and collect them if you have a legitimate reason for using them. And, of course, you kiss that goodbye. But <laughs> um, the Yuhimbi, uh, it is used to induce anxiety in a clinical setting. So just you've been warned, and I can attest to a... a, a a huge amount of, of anxiety with that one and, and I dare say the caffeine in conjunction with the himbin probably wasn't a good good move but uh, yeah titrated up I think um, uh, you know Lyle McDonald has had some experience with this and I know he's got some uh, recommended dosages out there uh, 2.25 milligrams per kilo uh, which for me at about 100 um, at that point in time threw me up at about 20 25 uh, milligrams mm-hmm. and then um, you know it was uh, <laughs> 10 milligrams that's fine next day 10 yeah go to 25 and then uh, and then all hell broke loose and I yeah. you know it was quite a, a, a at 4.30 in the morning you know uh, feeling like collapsing on the train station at our time and you know from anxiety and I couldn't breathe and the heart rate was going a million miles an hour it's quite an unpleasant you mm. know feverishly dumping uh, uh, handfuls of magnesium to try and uh, bring down. myself down but yeah but yeah, if they are going to use it, um, just titrate it up. So start low and, and, and increase the dosage. And, you know, from what I've, uh, other people, I mean, I've used it uh, myself and um, with certain clientele. And, uh, you know, I haven't noticed a huge uh, or significant, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. starts you hit me in and then boom, all of a sudden the fat falls off. No. It's, it's just synergistically used with everything else, energy balance, manipulation, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And um, and it does come with the with a few side effects. So uh, for some individuals, it, it, it's just unpleasant. And the the benefit, um, although on paper looks great, and some research uh, you can find some decent studies to say that it, mm. it does seem to work, but it doesn't. Um, I don't think it's as good as what it uh, claims no. to be. Yeah, no. Look, I've dabbled with it as well. My experience wasn't as uh, horrific as yours, Rodan. Although I found that. Because the reason you use it is to stimulate stubborn fat cells. Supposedly, to, yeah. To, to yeah. Mo- mobilize... The alpha receptors, yeah. Yeah, mobilize fatty acids. And so you would, in theory, you would take it before you do a hit cardio session. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that will increase the benefits of fat mobilization you get from that. Yep. What I found was that my heart rate got so high mm. so quickly yeah, yeah. with the hill sprints that it was that I actually had to stop doing them so mm. I was better off just doing the sprints without the Yahimbi than taking the Yahimbi yeah and, and blood pressure issues and yeah, yeah for anyone that has um, any uh, yeah so I didn't I didn't find it effective I've got a client 
Ashley Boehm, Agent of Change PT. She's two weeks out from a photo shoot. Yep. She's been using the Ahimbi, thinks it's fantastic. Yep. Now, I would say that she's got a really strong cardiovascular system yeah. coming into this. So Similar she, to mine. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> so she can do hill sprints and, and bike sprints and all that kind of stuff. And she's quite tolerant to stimulants and caffeine, mm. all that kind mm. of stuff. So she uses it. She thinks it's great. It gives her energy. It suppresses her appetite. Whether it's mobilizing more fat, who knows? Does it also make her a little frisky? A tingle can, in the loins, perhaps. It can, uh, be a bit of a libido boost as well. Yes, yes. Well, I'll make sure that I inquire mm. very yes. thoroughly. It will be very comprehensive with your female clientele, Tom. That's right. Mm-mm-mm. So she thinks it's great. So look, it's worth a try out there if, you, if you're if keen. But if you are prepping for a, an INBA or an A and B, yeah, or uh, if anyone actually does the WNBF or that, that it still exists, I don't know yeah. if it does, but any of those uh, uh, natural or tested federations, yeah, not allowed. Yeah, so, uh, so that's that. Rawdon, a bit of a follow-up from last week. Our special guest was Annette Verpilo from Posture Pro, mm. talking about posturology. Mate, I saw her a little uh, pic on the uh, promo for uh, social media. She's, yes. uh, she's quite nice. Yeah, though, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No wonder you uh, enjoyed no wonder. the... Uh, the one service she the, gave you at the hands uh, are very thorough around the glutes mm, and that was mm, the key. gluteal region yes yes, yes. well no one's safe Rawdon no one you know that better than anyone mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but quite a uh, a lot of feedback yeah. after her I've had probably at least five or six people come up in the gym and say gee that's really interesting about the yeah. posturology sounds too good to be true yeah like is that does it really you mm. know and everyone's sort of looking at their feet when they're about to do their squat oh that's not quite right yep. that's uneven yep. and, you yeah. know but the reality is is that we've all got some sort of little imbalance and yeah. pretty much everyone I know has got pain somewhere yeah. and that's what she was saying if there is an imbalance at some point there will be some pain associated pain you yeah. know here are some methods to manage it yeah and I yeah. think uh, she alluded to the fact it's not an instant fix I think there is some uh, immediate improvements but, yep. it's, uh, but it's a prospect that takes a little while mm. I think she said about 12 months to get everyone sort of ship shaped yep 12 month uh, process for the full bang for buck yeah very good, very good. And people have been saying, well, does it really work? Like, it sounds a bit witch doctory. Does it happen? I said, well, you know, look, there are some significant people in the industry who uh, yeah. swear by it. The results that she produces are there to be seen. Mm. And, you know, the theory behind it definitely makes sense when she explains it, how the nervous system is what controls all these muscles. Yep. And she mentioned some of the on-flow effects of posture and what that can cause. Mm. And uh, in the interview that I did with Dr. John Martini which we referenced on an episode a couple yeah, of weeks back. Over in New Zealand there. I asked him about, we were talking about inflammation, mm. and he comes from a chiropractic background. Yep. And it was funny, the first thing that he said about what causes inflammation, one of the first things he said was posture. Here he goes. Anytime you have posture involvement, if your posture is not steady and stable, you're constantly putting compression and tension on bones and muscles and semi-liquid crystals that are inside the body. Collagen crystals are, are being compressed and tensed. Whenever you do, you create electrical charge differences. Those charge differences activate the immune system. The immune system come in and bring inflammatory responses to try to get the tensions and compressions back into equilibrium. So people that have not been trained on posture, they're vulnerable to chronic inflammations. So there's another little uh, feather in the cap for the witch doctor of posture. Mate, he's, uh, he's convincing. He's very convincing. But it made, the way he explained it sort of made sense to me. It makes sense. Yeah, it does mm, make sense. terms. And the way that uh, Annette explains things makes mm. sense as well. So, you know... Uh, thumbs up for the witch doctoring. Yes. 
Now, mate, the time has come for you and I to uh, spruik our, our feathers <laughs> a fraction. So for yes. behind the scenes, we've been working away feverishly. Feverishly, <laughs> feverishly Tom. And uh, if listeners are interested in listening to more of the Martini interview uh, that I did with him, he talks about a range of different topics. Mm. I do actually have a website now. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> TomHewitt.com.au. Very good. Uh, you can go there and there's a newsletter you can sign up for. Mm. There'll be some snippets from uh, Dr. Martini. Um, this month in the newsletter I'm talking about pyramid sets as a training method wow. and I have a little uh, overview of what that method does you can have a look at a couple of programs I'm Mate, doing what, a, what doesn't this website have? it's got everything I've got a client mm. case study uh, ah. this month looking at a, a food rotation that I did for a client recently just a very simple way of how to do it Yep. Uh, so they can go there tomhewitt.com.au sign up and uh, you know let me know how they go <laughs> Beautiful. It's and I've had some feedback because, you know, I, I, I don't, uh, you know, I, I won't sort of get on there and uh, have a look. But, no. I, but I've had people that have had a look and they said it's quite good. <laughs> they said it's a good website. Well, Tom, you know, Tommy Hewitt. It, it's there to do something. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, it's been a while since you've uh, spruiked uh, yeah. your own brand. Well, you know, I don't really like business, but, uh, you know, it's, a, it's inevitable. We do have to do uh, some, uh, some work mm. from time to time, you know. <laughs> now, nah, look, I mean, the listener, if they're interested, can follow me on Instagram, the Dubois Instagram. Method. Yeah. And uh, I've got a, a Facebook page, the Dubois Method as well, that's uh, quite organic. I'm not hustling my, my friends list saying, hey, like this page. You know, if people are interested, they seek it out and uh, throw a uh, like and, and follow what I do. But it's, uh, it's purely, uh, I don't get on there and uh, spruik. I don't try and convince you that I'm the, the, the greatest thing in the world because I'm obviously not. Uh, but what I do do is just put pics of clientele that I work with that uh, hopefully will inspire their the uh, you know the viewer and um, uh, you know sort of motivate them to, to be the best they can be because essentially that's what I'm doing with all my clientele mm. they come and see me and it's like yeah cool let's create the best version of yourself we possibly can on stage body composition wise anyway uh, and that's what they uh, that's what they employ me to do mm. so uh, you get to see and it's pretty cool you get to see a bit of a timeline so you can look back uh, over the over my uh, Dubai Method pages and you can see guys that uh, you know, have uh, have morphed into the the, the comp physique uh, that they see on stage, just stage shots as well as some um, progress pics. So, mm. yeah, that, that's that's my little uh, Dubai Method page. I load it up there multiple times a week, and uh, yeah, I mean, if you if you like what I do, if you show me some love. Feel free to comment. Uh, any uh, negative comments will be deleted, of course, but uh, <laughs> you'll be banned for life. But yeah, no, I appreciate the love and um, so it's organic, mate. It's organic. It's organic. Not, it's I'm not shoving good. anything down your, your no, throat no. saying do this, do that, or, or anything so. Else. The Dubois method on Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, got a uh, website too, DubaisMethod.com. Yeah, um, just a basic website. But that's yeah. right. That's where they find you. They can find me, TomHewitt.com.au. Yep. And for the actual podcast under the bar, if they can go to the iTunes page and leave a little review for us. Yes. Uh, yes. Very good. That would be fantastic. That'll um, you know uh, get us at the, the the top of the the health and fitness podcast that'd be great to take over the world wonderful thanks guys (laughs) man that uh tom hewitt uh tommy hewitt is it tommy hewitt or tom Uh, tom uh serious yeah yeah that was already taken i think or there was i would have loved to have just had tomhewitt.com yeah. But someone's got that. I think he's a photographer. Oh. Yeah. Imposter. Anyway, so tomhewitt.com.au. Yep, yep. Cool. Yeah, Man, that's, it sounds like it's got the bells and whistles. The bells and whistles. I think I've got a tagline now. I'm a, uh, a physique and lifestyle coach. Very good. Yeah. Because physique is something you're uh, 
physique preparation is something you're very very <laughs> passionate about. Our listeners should uh, should really seek you out and yes. uh, <laughs> yeah. you know maybe I should multiple be, clients get ready be, for stage. Uh, yeah, lifestyle coach. Mm. Mm. You know, that, coach. That can be anything. Coach. Yeah. Coach. Coach. Tom, Tom you got coach. coach. <laughs> <laughs> Fill in funny. the blanks. Very good. Rawdon, as yes. we mentioned at the top of the show, mm. after mm. Uh, a huge weight of public demand, yes. we've got Dan Garner back. Well, for, he's, uh, he's, I think he's more popular than us. Another uh, educational series. Mm. Now, as we mentioned, Rawdon, Dan's going to be talking about recovering. Yes. And um, as you and I have made reference to it, various points throughout the program, and, and as Dan sort of alluded to in his nutrition series as well, mm. what we do in the gym is the stimulus, mm-hmm. how we recover thereafter. We'll, that's when the magic happens. That's where the magic happens. That's mm, where really need that's to know. what um, determines the result that we get. Yeah, and uh, I guess the the magic of hypertrophy is um, that that nice balance between uh, the stimulus and the disrupting homeostasis, the training and uh, the recovery, and 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 how. Uh, quickly that can happen will dictate how frequently you could train and, and essentially how much hypertrophy you can put on so and performance and everything else that goes with it mm. so very mm. very important okay so Dan Garner strength coach and nutrition specialist he mm-hmm. joins us again from Canada Dan welcome back to the podcast hey guys I'm glad to be back okay mate so a little bit of housekeeping before we get started I know you've been uh, working very hard and there's some successful mm. things going on in your end picked up a lot of pro athletes these days so do you want to just give us a little uh, update as to what's happening in the world of dangana oh yeah sure um so i mean the standard things have all been going on i've gotten all my online stuff still kicking away but the the pro athlete world's been really blowing up for me and it's something that i'm really passionate about and uh i find it's very very cool to be working with these guys um i've got plenty of athletes now in the nfl the nhl and the ufc and also now bellator mma as well so I've been dealing with a lot of guys and being able to show the world really what I can do at a high level with these athletes. Mm. Yeah, no, that's really good, mate. And the thing about that as well is that with each new client you bring on, you always learn something more. And as the level mm. of client picks up, the knowledge and the uh, ability to, to work with these kind of people increases as well. So it's like a, a rolling ball and now there's mm. no stopping Dan Garner. Mm. Um, <laughs> mate, before we get into the content about intro to recovery, obviously to get all that stuff done, um, requires some organization and some work and I know that you have a few little uh, unique productivity tips are you still doing your uh, your six tasks per day yes that's I, yes I absolutely do that uh, I think it's very very important for people to write down at least six things that they want to do tomorrow right before bed so that doesn't bring they don't bring those thoughts with them to bedtime they don't organize and plan before bed it's yep. on the paper you're not gonna forget it you're gonna teach stress and you can get a good quality sleep Mm. And you get up the next day and you get them done. That might be yes, uh, another tip that he's going to uh, run by us in the uh, in the series and recovery, maybe yes. on the sleep segment. Yes, yes. Very good, very good. Righto, Dan. So, Rodden and I had a little bit of banter about our limited understanding of what goes on, you know, in terms of hypertrophy. But what does sort of the world of recovery encompass? Well, I think it's important to discuss what recovery actually is and discuss um, the basic physiology of why recovery is important to everything. I mean, regardless, anybody listening to this podcast right now is going to benefit from recovery because if you want to drop body fat, if you want to build muscle, if you want to improve your athletic performance, or if you just want to live a healthy lifestyle, recovery's got to be there. You can only make progress based on what you can recover from. So I talked about this a little bit in the introduction to nutrition, but I'm going to rehash it here in more of a recovery angle, is that you don't actually build muscle in the gym, you don't actually build strength in the gym, you don't build power or endurance in the gym. 
what you do in the gym is you create the stimulus for this to happen. So although the process of training has an anabolic end result, the process of training itself is actually catabolic. So we're breaking tissues down in order to create a stimulus in the body that we're going to respond and adapt to. But the stimulus is only one of three things that need to happen for us to actually make any gains in the gym. We create that stimulus in the gym, but then after that, we need to recover adequately in order to get the adaptation. So we go stimulus, recovery, and then progress. So although we're creating a training harder than gym to get that stimulus, everything that we do outside the gym determines whether or not you are actually going to become a better athlete or are going to be healthy or going to get stronger or going to build muscle. So when it comes to recovery, Everybody knows now that stimulus is created first and that we need to recover and adapt in order to gain the adaptation. Yeah. But when it comes to recovery, another way to look at it, I like to use the bank balance statement. So your current level of fitness right now, think about your credit card. Your current level of fitness Ooh. is oh, right nice. at zero dollars. Okay? When we go to the gym, we decrease that statement to say minus five dollars, minus ten dollars. We hit this net decrease because after we've done a hard workout, our performance is actually lower than it was when we started the workout. And everybody can empathize with this. Mm -hmm. You're not training at the same intensity at the end of the workout as you are at the beginning of the workout. And this is because of endogenous carbohydrate depletion, dehydration, um, muscle tissue breakdown, substrate depletion. All these things are happening during training or during a game or during competition in order to bring your performance down and therefore bring that bank statement down. So now at the end of a training session, you're at about minus $10. Mm -hmm. Now the process of recovery needs to bring us back up to zero so that you're no longer in the negative. Or if we do everything right, if we eat right and we sleep right, we're actually going to not just come up to zero, we're going to come up to plus $5. So we created that net negative in the gym, and then we come back to not just recover to baseline, but we've actually made progress in the end. Okay. Super compensated. Okay. So we've made we've made fifteen dollars in the recovery. Yes, so sir. we've then got a balance of five. If we then yeah. train again and we have a super hard workout, maybe we deplete it down to minus fifteen. We've done a twenty dollars worth of workout. Mm -hmm. Then obviously the recovery Good session, Tom. Then the recovery process has to be worth at least another 25 to get us back up to the original five dollars or, or even better ten dollars yeah and exactly the, the thing to take <laughs> away it, from this there's this two major things to take podcast? away from this here <laughs> yes yes bring back that bank analogy the more you take out the more you're gonna have to put back in yeah so if you have a really 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 hard workout you're gonna have to be good with your nutrition your nutrient timing your sleep, your total calorie intake, your hormone optimization, all these things are really important to recover yeah. from the hard training sessions. Mm. But to continue on that analogy, this is actually how overreaching and overtraining is done too. Because let's say you did a workout that brought you back $10 and then you only recovered five. Well, you're still on a net decrease yep. of mm -hmm. optimization. Mm -hmm. And then you worked out again. So another $10 is gone. So now you're down to negative 15. And then yep. you only recovered back up to negative 10. Yep. So this is how overreaching and overtraining can happen too. And there's a lot of things that we can do that we're going to talk about throughout this series in order to not just recover from these things because recovery 
that's a it's a big open concept but to bring context to it and actually to also find ways to measure what we're doing yes well that was going to be my next question dan before we sort of get into how we go about bolts recovery how do we measure our recovery how do we tell if how well recovered we are i mean and whether we need more i guess yeah whether the workout yeah, was hard. Yeah, there's, there's three big categories for this that I like to place them into. There are what is known as leading indicators, concurrent indicators, and lagging indicators. Okay. So a leading indicator is a parameter which you can use to see if the onset of fatigue is creeping in. You know, they gave you a window to see if fatigue is coming to knock on the door soon. An example of a leading indicator would be poor nutrition. You know, a crappy diet's an easy way to not recover and not make progress, but it doesn't necessarily have an acute effect on fatigue. You know, if you generally eat well all the time and have one bad day, odds of your performance and recovery won't actually suffer the next day, provided you get back on track. But if you continue to do that, that's definitely going to be a leading indicator of fatigue, and you will eventually fatigue. A couple other examples of leading indicators, one would be sleep, you know, yes. if you generally sleep very well and then one night you kind of, you get say six, six hours ish, uh, most people's performance doesn't decrease the next day acutely. But if you get consistently six hours, it's definitely going to decrease. So another leading indicator and the, the last leading indicator I can think of would be the vertical jump test. Vertical jump test is used as a measure of fatigue for a long time now, but it should be considered a leading indicator since it's a measure of power and technique. Power leaves the body sooner than strength, and actually technique will leave the body sooner than strength as well. So this is why the vertical jump test is considered a leading indicator. Okay. Well, that was, uh, sounds like I did the right thing yesterday when the the boys were saying, ooh, your pool's looking uh, terrible. I, I, I reduced the... The weight and and increased the the repetitions and went for a bit of speed and and sort of much less uh, than what I normally would and and walked out of the gym tar between the legs but um, technique was definitely off right and so is that because of the nervous system Dan or what what aspects of the physiology are you controlling those leading uh, or that performance aspect the technique yeah the vertical jump and Technique. That is nervous system. Your ability to recruit muscle fibers and produce force faster. Okay. Okay. So those are the leading indicators. Uh, what was your your next level of indicator? Yeah. The next level is the concurrent indicator. Concurrent. So concurrent indicators are parameters which you can use to see if the fatigue process has already begun and it's time to start taking a look at your training and nutrition because fatigue has already started. And one way in which you can measure concurrent indicators is the bar speed. You know, how does the actual bar okay. feel? Some weeks you're on and some weeks you're not. There's times where mm. you pick up a weight that you've already done before, like say Rod in your, deadli- your yeah. deadlift example. Yeah. Weights you've handled before, but this time it feels like a million pounds. This is what is a good concurrent indicator of fatigue. Okay. That fatigue, it's not just leading, it's, uh, it's kicking in. So... The, I mean, this is, this is uh, when it comes to the bar, I mean, the speed at which you move the bar counts, mm. how heavy the bar feels counts, but okay. also your reps and capability, of course. You know, if you did five sets of five at, say, uh, 200 kilos last week, and then this week you only did 
five sets of four, you know, that's a problem and a very clear concurrent indicator that okay. your your bank account, your fatigue bank account starting to mm. get in and debt. Negative, and, negative. and let's just say that maybe he didn't get the five sets of four. He got the five sets of five the next week, but they just didn't feel yeah. crisp and light like they did. So the that week was last before. Friday. Last Friday yeah. was uncrisp. Yeah, yeah, 260 right. for doubles and it was horrible. Like it, it yeah. just felt just... Ooh. And so is that just a bad day or is that where he should be looking at yourself and saying, okay, there's a little bit of uh, concurrent, it's a concurrent indicator that there yep. is some fatigue sitting in here. Well, technically speaking, it would be uncrisp. Yeah, it was. It was <laughs> that's what it was. And the boys were, the boys, because normally my lifts are good, Dan, and they go, ooh, nice lift, so tight, so solid, and they're all sort of, mm, you know, sort of rubbing the chin, going, ooh, that wasn't your best. I'm like, yeah, right. Maybe it's just because it's 260, but, but it definitely, um, it was a very hard, awkward 260. Like it, it just didn't feel good. So definitely yeah. uh, concurrent there. Yeah, yeah, I would put that in the concurrent category for yep, sure. Yep. Would Lastly, in concurrent indicators would be actually grip strength. That's what I was going to say. So yeah, grip, grip strength, strength is the last concurrent indicator of fatigue, and it's been used actually as an indicator for a long time as well in research and by strength and conditioning coaches. Mm. And this is what kind of separates, you know, like a lot of people right now are probably thinking, why is the vertical jump test a leading indicator and the grip strength a concurrent indicator? Yes. This is because of uh, physical characteristic decay rates. You know, different qualities decay at different rates when you either don't train to maintain them, don't train at all, or fall too far into fatigue debt. Power has a rate of decay of only about two weeks. So if you don't train power for two weeks at all, right. your levels of power can start to go down. And strength has a different decay rate, aerobic endurance, a hypertrophy, they all have different decay rates. Power is the quickest um, rate of fatigue yep. and that's why it is vertical I mean that is why it is a leading indicator because power is going to fatigue and decay at the rate at which your potential is able to do mm. quicker than strength strength will stick around longer so if strength yeah. is decreasing that's definitely concurrent but if power is decreasing you're still in the leading area mm. okay okay fascinating Very good all right and our third category of indicators Dan Yes, the third category is lagging indicators. So these are definitely parameters which you can use to see if fatigue has already set in and you did not catch it in time. At yep. this point, this is where actually deloading is necessary. Deloading or light days is necessary until you recover. Um, you didn't pay attention to the leading indicators. You didn't pay attention to the concurrent <laughs> That's indicators. Me. <laughs> You're too stubborn. You kept wanting yep. to go deadlift 300. That's right. So <laughs> we'll keep going. That's uh, the, That's how this is when off the leg gas pedal. kicks in. Yep. And uh, two two major things come here, and I mean it's going to be of no surprise to anybody. Legging indicators is actual performance. You know, this is a no-brainer, but it's got to be included for completeness of the indicators. Simply put. Um, if you're unmotivated to go train or you're exhausted before your training sessions, yeah. performance is down, you're definitely fatigued. Yeah. And mm. lastly, brain coherence. So this can represent itself in a couple of different ways. So say if you're an athlete and you, it's game day, but you're not reading the field the way you normally do, your reaction time's slower, you're not making rapid decision changes, um, you're, you're just not sharp. Crisp. Then... Yeah, if, yeah, you're Not uncrisp. 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 <laughs> a lagging indicator is an uncrisp brain. You can use that under the bar, right. patented. I'll throw uncrisp. that. I'll throw that in the certification, man. Yes. 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 Okay. Um, and another way in which brain coherence can present itself is if you just don't want to go to the gym. 
I mean, we love yeah. training. Yeah. And if you're before the gym, you're like, ah, you know, this kind of sucks. I want 400 milligrams think, of caffeine before I go. You know, that's that's a good idea think that you're just trying to mask fatigue and you're not recognizing it. I've known you for about five or six years now yes. and you Mm-mm. never want to go to the gym. Yeah, this is, this is true. <laughs> so it's very hard for me to tell you what's lagging or my disdain for training at the gym. But I will say yesterday, because we're using that as a uh, talking about those deadlifts yesterday, before... <laughs> Before I actually uh, was going, I was waiting for someone to do an assessment, and I was actually dozing off. I was just sort of sitting there, uh, nodding off. I was like, oh, I got a deadlift soon, uh, nodding off. So, yeah, like, well and truly didn't want to be there yesterday. So, I was lagging and uh, concurrent and, and all of the above, leading as Probably well. Probably a good thing that we're talking about this, eh? Yeah. yeah. So, Dan, if we sort of go through that checklist and at different times in a training cycle, we'll be able to look at those indicators and say okay there's some leading ones there that all that one's a concurrent indicator or this one's definitely lagging indicator what are you got any quick tips or strategies we can then do once we've identified something as to you know how to uh how to cope with that or you know how to remedy the situation what's next yeah yeah well i think that's going to be worthy of its own whole Episode okay. Okay. So we'll, we'll so recovery we'll cu- from physical activity. I mean, once sure. we identify these things, because uh, you know, recovery from phosphocreatine depletions different than glycogen yes. depletions, yes. different than metabolic byproducts, is different okay. than muscle temperature, is different than nervous system and neuromuscular. So okay. well, there's a lot of different ways in so which right. we can so that, approach this. That's a nice this. little teaser into the next uh, few okay. segments. Then. Yeah. So with the intro. Um, are you looking for a few of these things at once? Like, if you if you if you see one, do you do you sort of automatically? Oh, I'm 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 uh, I'm fatigued. I, I I might need to look at my recovery. Or, you know, do these sort of manifest uh, slightly uh, in in all sort of uh, training blocks? But you need to really have a few of them uh, sort of slap you in the face before you would really start looking at your uh, recovery and everything else that we're going to talk about in this series. Or, um, yeah, honestly, you know, like man, it's quite I think subtle. That, that relaxed that relaxed position that you're kind of talking about is, is the right way to approach it because we train hard. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my athletes, they train hard. I train hard. You guys yeah. train hard. We're not going to be feeling amazing all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that that's, yeah, that's just not going to happen. Um, when you're presenting an overload on the body and overload is required, you know, if we travel back to the stimulus we're trying to create in the gym, exactly. in order to create a stimulus that's actually going to allow us to make progress, we need to place an overload on our system that shifts our body at a homeostasis causes yep. muscle damage causes changes in endocrine and immune system function yep. so that our body says holy crap this guy is doing a lot in the gym so yep. i need to recover in or- so i can gain this adaptation so i can come back stronger next time yes. when we're presenting an overload we're never going to feel the greatest all the time so the way the why i presented so many different leading concurrent lagging indicators was to give you as many tools as you can yeah. you know use nutrition sleep the vertical jump test how does the bar feel your reps okay. grip strength these things are all good indicators and if you see like a couple of them piling up and then you're also in your brain you're like ah, i don't want to train okay um have a have a look at your nutrition and your sleep and i mean your periodization too it's not training is a part of this equation as well yeah, yeah. of course yeah well okay. i think that's what it comes down to from this segment just creating a greater awareness now personally i'll think about things a little more yeah. you know be more aware of my own body and my yeah. performance and what's Aches going and pains on and uh yeah. but I, I quite like that uh i mean there is a difference i mean i yeah sure yeah our listeners will know i hate actually training but 
but you know there's hate for training there's a loathing <laughs> for training you know there's a difference Tom you know like yes. I still get it working with guys who love to train yeah, yeah. well look yeah. that's why I get rid of all my one-on-one clients you know I like, ah, still got two more to get rid of and then I'll be yeah, well, completely in, in online in the last segments you said nobody can ever drink and then you also that's hate training yeah, yeah. well yeah. Like, yeah. you know they yeah. can drink water <laughs> yeah no but but yeah quite like that so a few little things uh, slapping you in the face and it's like well ha- have a look at the sleep nutrition uh, perhaps the periodization have a look mm. at all these things and um, yep. in the next few segments we'll tell you what to do excellent yep. righto thanks for that one Dan we'll uh, talk to you again in a couple of weeks and uh, for those who want to find you Dan Garner strength coach and nutrition specialist on Facebook that's right Under the Bar, the Icon Performance Health Podcast, here with it's another back. very big special guest, Rawdon. And um, yeah. as we mentioned at the top of the show now in Sydney, yep. you can go online and Google and you'll find uh, peptide clinics around yep. the place. Where you can Believe it on Facebook, Tom. You yeah. see them advertised on Facebook these days, yeah. And you can go in there or off the street, sit down with a doctor and have a discussion about the various uh, treatments you can pursue. Health benefits, yeah. Whether it's hypertrophy, whether it's anti-aging, joint, injuries. joint pain and injuries yep. and all this kind of stuff. But it's something for the, the layman out there that we is very it's very mystical we don't yeah, know exactly gray, what's going on area, yeah. and peptides generally speaking have a bad rap in this country because whenever we hear about them they're always linked to some sort of banned substance or yep. testing the sporting domain yep but um for the average punter they are available yep. and it's something which people are now starting to pursue i have a client she's she's 50 years of age she yep. wants to put on a, a significant amount of muscle mass yep she's been to a clinic sat down with a doctor and she's about to start a course of peptides so yeah. for me this is an education in itself yeah um you were sniffing around about it you contacted <laughs> uh charles poliquin to find yeah. out more and educate yourself and he said the man to talk to is uh, salim satir yeah and i've uh, since had a few few consults with Salim and uh, the knowledge is uh, second to none and uh, like we mentioned before uh, we went on air Tom you know he's worked with uh, numerous uh, still does and numerous uh, pro bodybuilders basically the the largest men on the planet so if, it, if you're in the business of uh, building muscle mass obviously um, you know his skill set is second to none in regards to uh, utilizing the peptides but um, but also uh, I did discuss a, a lot of uh, my clients have injuries and yeah. um, you know what, 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 is there anything I can do that can uh, improve an injury and get them back in the game sooner rather than later so we covered all that sort of stuff you know anti-aging benefits uh, I mean there's there's tons of stuff that we'll go through today but uh, yeah this guy will blow you away I was yes. very impressed so Slim Satir he's on the line from uh, Montreal Yep. He's coached numerous IFBB pros, as you mentioned. Larry Vanette, who's been on the show, he helped him yep. with his last pro show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a pleasure to have him on. Salim, welcome to the podcast, and thank you for your time. Hi, it's good to be on. <laughs> thank you for having me. <laughs> now, Salim, can you give our listeners a bit of an idea as to your career? I, I understand you were coming from more of an athletic background, and then you got into bodybuilding yourself. If you could paint a picture of how you've progressed over the years and, and how you got to where you are today. I, I used to be an athlete and I used to do all kinds of sports and when I was 19 I got into bodybuilding and um, I started competing right away. Um, I won the nationals uh, the same year I started bodybuilding. I did juniors world, uh, I placed 8 out of 70 some countries. So I had a very good start with bodybuilding and I loved it at the time. And then uh, a couple of years later, 
I was in a crossroad. I uh, had to decide whether I have to focus on my career and on my education or uh, continue with bodybuilding. Um, and I kind of, uh, I had to stay away from bodybuilding for quite some time, but I never stopped training. I, yeah. I loved mm -hmm. actually the training part more than even the bodybuilding itself. Yeah. Um, and it was a long time uh, uh, after that that I started uh, bodybuilding again. Uh, and uh, then when I started bodybuilding, um, uh, a few years after that, pretty much, uh, I, I also had a genetic condition and I hurt myself. Okay. And I used to be very uh, strong and I used to love training. Um, and that kind of uh, set me back and I, I tried to figure out like what I could do to recover. Uh, and pro uh, my problem at that time was uh, a cartilage issue. Okay. And that's one of the hardest thing that you could have for an injury. Yep. Um, so basically, uh, uh, after I hurt myself, um, I almost had no choice but to really uh, learn all aspect of bodybuilding, including you know training, um, nutrition, and uh, supplements, uh, including you know using enhancement for bodybuilding purposes. Yep. And I I really enjoyed it too because th there were a lot of uh, things that were not known and. Everyone did it, uh, what we consider today, bro science, yeah. rather than facts. Uh, everyone wanted to believe in something, and then you know they want to. And what I really wanted uh, is, uh, as much as I could, I wanted to know the inner workings and how things worked, and uh, more scientific way, yeah. uh, rather than you know just hypes. And then um, uh, when I hurt myself after that, I also got into coaching. I helped a lot of athletes to either become pros or I helped pros. And uh, I also got involved with other coaches. Uh, I loved you know, helping them out. And uh, not necessarily only in bodybuilding, but I also you know, uh, tried to help other coaches uh, in other branches. Okay. Um, so that's pretty much, you know, how things went for me. Okay. Okay. So I, I can sense, Salim, that you're very passionate about yeah. education and um, helping people learn more. So it's uh, great to have you on to talk about peptides because mm. this is something, as I mentioned, is we know very little about. Very taboo. So to start with, Salim, what exactly is a peptide? At its base level, what are we talking about? Peptide is actually... Uh, the real definition is when you have you know more than uh, one amino acid, two or more, uh, we generally call them peptides. So uh, any protein would be uh, peptide or anything that has even more than two amino acids, like um, even creatine and so many other things would be considered peptide. Okay. Um, what people don't know is uh, a lot of also hormones uh, can be considered peptide, such as growth hormone, yes. insulin. We also uh, can 
classify them as peptide. So peptide, uh, in a nutshell, uh, it is uh, uh, it can include hormones, proteins, uh, all that stuff. Okay, yeah, so, so it's a it's a series of amino acids linked, correct? Exactly. Yes. And and the different length of amino acids uh, <clears throat> will influence uh, what the actual peptide does and, and and what the actual peptide is, correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, okay. Cool. so we can produce peptides uh, naturally within the body and they can be created synthetically in a lab? Yes, that's correct. Uh, I mean, the way it works, uh, depending on uh, our DNA, uh, we synthesize our own protein uh, when we eat food. And from the food, uh, the body also produces different peptides uh, that needs to regulate the body for different things. Uh, some of which would be hormones also. Okay. All right. So uh, peptides, amino acid uh, linked together. Uh, different peptides are going to do different things. Um, we've spoken uh, outside of this uh, interview and, and you spoke to me. There's a few factors that, uh, that will influence how well a peptide will work uh, for an individual. Uh, and there seems to be some variability. You know, you, you get on forums, and, and and some people will say, you know, uh, the peptides I took didn't really do anything. I didn't notice any changes. I didn't heal from my injury. Whatever they were taking it for. Um, now we've discussed uh, there's some issues with purity, and also is there a genetic uh, component from individual to individual that influences uh, how well a, a given peptide will work. Uh, yes, that's a very good point. I mean, uh, everyone has a different sensitivity for any medication, any food. Um, so there is a little bit, you know, individual uh, reaction to anything, including peptides. Okay. Uh, so, so not everyone will uh, respond exactly the same way, yep. uh, which is uh, which make total sense. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, obviously, there is the quality of the peptide also. Um, so the quality would be uh, generally uh, the purity would affect big time. Uh, generally speaking, uh, the good quality uh, peptides are generally considered 28% or higher purity. And uh, if you go down to 95%, it sounds, oh, it's not too bad. Uh, or if you go to 90%, you know, it's only 9% less purity. But the reality is overall, uh, the average difference between 90% to very high grade 99%, uh, the quality could be as much as four times difference. Okay, so so for our listeners, um, you know, I, I speak to various people in the industry and... Uh, they're like, oh, I got uh, you know discount labs. Uh, you know, I got some peptides. They're really cheap, uh, but they didn't really work. I mean, th- what you're saying is basically, uh, you know, 98 plus, uh, ideally 99% purity. You're generally good to go. 98% down to that 95%. It's uh, like half. Uh, it will be half as effective. And then once you dip below that 95%, back to 90 or below, uh, you sort of a quarter of the effect that the peptide will do. And then below, you know, pretty much forget it. Below 90% purity, uh, you're not really going to see the significant uh, changes that the peptide should be having, correct? Uh, that is correct. Uh, and that these are the average number. There are a couple of different yeah. 
variables in there, but yeah. these numbers are pretty accurate Just in terms okay. of Generally average speaking. numbers. Okay, okay, so you, you, you get what you pay for, I guess. You need to get the, if you are considering peptides, obviously through a, like we mentioned, a, a professional clinic rather than just grabbing them offline. But um, but the purity and the and then obviously the genetic potential of the individual mm. can, can yeah. affect. And then another concern is endotoxins. Uh, some of them, uh, like the good grades, they also have very low endotoxins where, you know, when you take the peptide, the body doesn't have to fight with it also. Okay. okay, so on the cheaper uh, or inferior or less pure um, peptides, they can also have uh, some sort of toxicity issue. Exactly, they do. Okay, okay. well that's good to know. Right, so Salim, you know, we can obviously take a peptide for body composition, whether it's fat loss or muscle gain. There's the injuries, there's the anti-aging. So I gather there are a broad class of peptides. So for the listeners of this program, we're, we're probably mm-hmm. talking about hypertrophy, Injury, okay. injury, healing, injuries, and the anti-aging. So we'll go for those three classes. Yeah. Uh, let, let's start with um, anti-aging. Okay. Okay. Um, so anti-aging, there are quite a few good peptides. Uh, one that uh, I'm quite impressed is called epitalon. Um, that's a very small protein uh, for amino acid. Um, and uh, it lengthens the telomeres. Uh, okay. uh, there, and there are tons of you know study on that, uh, and the science is quite clear. And uh, whoever uses it regularly, uh, there is a huge differences. But I'll tell you some of the uh, benefits that I remember from the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, when people use it regularly, uh, and regularly in this case is generally uh, twice a year. Okay. And it takes 10 to 15 days to use one full cycle. Yep. Um, and if you use it twice a year, uh, the benefits are, in average, uh, it expands the life by 40 to 50%. The body's immunity increases at least by twofold, but in some cases three to four times even. And it reduces, like your uh, cancer risk reduced by 70 to 80 percent, given that everything else remains the same, all the other variables. Mm -hmm. Um, So these are very good uh, uh, benefits, uh, and uh, in my opinion, uh, you know, uh, it should be freely available to anyone. Okay. So this is uh, for our listener, epitome. Which is yes, it's called epitalon. It's also known as, uh, I think, epitalamine also. But epitalon is the common name that everyone knows. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it, it started to become quite uh, popular in the last uh, few years. Okay, okay so, so f- uh, I guess you could say that's a, a peptide that you're looking at for uh, boosting immune function and, and, generally speaking, life extension, yeah? Exactly, but we also use it for another reason, uh, which is great to um, uh, normalize all the hormones. Okay. And be- because it uh, l- helps with the uh, telomeres, what it essentially means is your body can <coughs> um, synthesize all the uh, proteins that it needs properly, including 
the protein and the hormones. So your body uh, actually works uh, much better. It's like, in a way, lubricating. So everything right. seems to be working much better. On a cellular level. Exactly, yes. Okay. And uh, I think I recall you saying the uh, general quality of life is, uh, is just better. Exactly. And uh, some people say that, oh, you know, I don't want my life to be long. Why would I do that? And I cannot... Uh, I can understand that, but what uh, is really uh, impressed, uh, what I'm really impressed with this is that uh, the quality of life really increases. increases. I've heard Charles Polokan reference many times that uh, essentially you are as old as the health of your cells. Yeah, yeah. And so exactly. That, so yes. that, that, that would make sense. Okay, so that one's for, for general health, anti-aging. Uh, anything else uh, come to mind in regards to uh, peptides to help in that regard? Um, there are a couple of other good ones, um, and I don't know how much we want to uh, spend uh, on this topic, but there are a couple of other ones. Uh, I don't want to confuse the yeah, okay, uh, yeah. confuse everyone with yeah. names here. But I guess what we can talk about here now is some of the growth hormone releasing hormones or growth hormone releasing yeah. peptides okay. which could be used uh, a very good uh, anti-aging tool okay because sure. a lot of our listeners uh, would be familiar maybe have heard of the the ghrp6 and rp2 and the cjc1295 and there there are a couple that i have certainly heard of are they the ones we're going to talk about now sure um normally uh, in humans uh, how GH works is uh, in three steps first uh, there are initial hormones that uh, uh, prepares the body to pulse uh, GH yep and yep. the second step is when you are pulse GH it triggers uh, production of uh, growth factor hormone growth hormone factors and growth factors uh, then uh, would manifest the anabolic effects. But as everyone knows well, growth hormone has also a very good effect on the anti-aging issues, Mm. especially at a good low dose. Uh, It became very popular lately, especially in the anti-aging clinics here in United States and Canada that uh, a lot of uh, doctors are now prescribing GHRPs instead of even growth hormone itself. Okay, so these are a class of peptides that actually improve your body's natural production of growth hormone. Exactly. So there, in the first uh, step, uh, there are two hormones. One is growth hormone releasing hormone, GHRH, yep. and the other one is uh, a group called GHRP, growth hormone releasing peptide. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, so these two, they do very similar. Uh, there is a little bit difference. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if you want to go in detail. Uh, and if you use them together, they have a synergic effect. So you can, your body can uh, pulse significantly more GH if you use them together. Okay. Okay. Uh, um, so if if you are goal from GH is only anti-aging. The typical uh, recommended dose would be, depending on your age, uh, one and a half to two, maybe two uh, IU. 
And in order to get that kind of uh, GH pulse, you can easily get it from GHRPs alone or GHRH alone. Okay, so anti-aging using growth hormone, the, the clinics might say something like, uh, you know, uh, one to one and a half IU um, of actual GH, but then if you use the combo, the peptides that you're talking about, the GHR, H's and the GHRP together in, in, in a combo, uh, they would uh, synergistically uh, produce a, a similar amount of uh, growth hormone pulse. What would be the, is the advantage, uh, Salim, using the peptides, you're, uh, by using GHRP and GHRH's, are you use, giving them the, the uh, amino acids for the body to then go and produce growth hormone like it normally would? Is, is that advantageous to supplementation of straight growth hormone? Uh, it is. Uh, I mean, the real advantage, in my opinion, using GHRH and GHRP uh, versus uh, growth hormone directly is that uh, growth hormone comes with, um, with baggage. Mm. Um, it has several side effects that we don't want. Um, especially if it's used uh, at a significant dose more than anti-aging. Uh, let's say for anabolic purposes, uh, the general dose is, it starts anywhere between 3 IU, it goes as much as 15, 20 IU. But uh, the more common dose for anabolic purposes, it's 5 to 10. That's probably more common use. Um, so in order to uh, get uh, that much GH, uh, or if you're getting that much GH, uh, a lot of people, uh, they can have significant side effects too. Yep. Uh, they are generally temporary. Uh, nevertheless, uh, for some people, they can be huge. Uh, some of those effects are um, insulin resistant. Mm. And everyone knows insulin is a very anabolic uh, hormone and it's, you need to be insulin sensitive basically uh, to be able to perform better and to be able to have good hypertrophy. And let me just jump um, in there, Salim. Is that sure. uh, the uh, insulin resistance, is that because the, the growth hormone and uh, the half-life of uh, growth hormone normally is it's pulsatile in nature, uh, it, it elevates and then it uh, dissipates and it doesn't really uh, interfere with uh, any sort of uh, insulin and cellular activity. But when we use growth hormone, uh, synthetic growth hormone, the half-life is, uh, I think, 12, uh, 10 to 12 hours. So you actually have elevated levels of, of growth hormone in the bloodstream for an extended period, which then has issues with uh, any uh, insulin secreted in that time. The body has to produce more and more insulin because of the growth hormone. Is that how it works with the, with the growth? Yes, uh, I mean, that is exactly why uh, growth hormone causes insulin sensitivity. So basically, um, normally the way it works in the body, when we pulse GH, um, uh, the GH remains in the system for a short time, uh, naturally, that, then it's metabolized very quickly. Uh, and we don't have significant amount of GH, uh, then insulin can work properly. Right. And because they are counteracting and synthetic GH uh, remains in the blood for a long time, it starts to uh, 
make so that uh, insulin doesn't work as good. So you I start see. to become insulin resistant. Right. Therefore, it's a problem to be addressed. So using the peptides then in Synergy, you're getting your body to enhance its natural pulsatile nature of growth hormone. And so is it? will you have more frequent pulses or will the pulse be a larger pulse? Um, both, actually. Um, uh, so the GHRH, the main reason for GHRH is you know, uh, to initiate the pulse in a way. And the GHRP increases the amount of the pulse. I see. Okay. Uh, that's why synergically, uh, they have a synergic effect, meaning that if you take the same amount individually, the sum is actually greater. Yes, right. Uh, so if you get them together, uh, your body's ability to pulse more GH, uh, it, it does pulse more GH. Okay. And when it does, uh, uh, the GH only remains there for a very short time. And then uh, when your body produces all the growth factors, yep. and the most important one for us is uh, IGF-1, also uh, growth factor binding uh, proteins. So everything happens really naturally in the body and there is, uh, th there is a lot of advantage to that in my opinion. Okay. okay, so you mentioned the insulin resistance, there's a couple others that we've spoken about, so would you want to uh, touch on those too, the issues with uh, growth hormone supplementation for some, because I think I recall you saying that very low, low dose uh, use of growth hormone can actually uh, induce these other uh, issues that you're going to talk about. Um, there, yeah, there are two more important issues, and uh, th that varies from one person to another, obviously. Yep. And in insulin is the same, by the way. I mean, uh, we see that like 10, 20% of the uh, genetics somehow uh, they don't really become very insulin resistant even when they use GH for a long time. Okay. But a lot of people, after using you know, even several weeks, they start to uh, have these uh, insulin re resistance issues. Okay. And the second one is the thyroid uh, suppression. Okay. And thyroid is also very important anabolic hormone. Uh, and if it's suppressed, in a nutshell, you know, you're not able to um, uh, function properly. Yep. The other issue with GH uh, is uh, carpal tunnel problem. And uh, some individuals rarely, uh, they can't tolerate even if they use, you know, two to three IUGH. That's rare, but the average uh, numbness starts around 6-7 IU of GH uh, and for some lucky ones that's not an issue also but uh, in general uh, that's something also uh, of a concern. Okay so look a little bit of a picture there so basically if you're looking at uh, increasing your production of growth hormone whatever your goal might be it might be uh, anti-aging it might be you're in the business of trying to build more muscle tissue growth hormone itself uh, can have uh, issues uh, varies from person to person the insulin resistance the thyroid uh, uh, issues uh, and the, the carpal tunnel but if you use the the GHRPs and the GHRH uh, 
uh, class of peptide, you can uh, mimic what the body would naturally do, and all those uh, side effects is, side effects are uh, not associated with the uh, the um, those peptides as opposed to growth hormone. I think it's a fair summary. I mean, there are always some little details too, but yeah. uh, I think overall I totally agree that's a very good summary. Okay. So if we were going to go beyond the anti-aging perspective and have the minimal dose and then to look at, at hypertrophy and for greater pulses and bigger pulses, is it just a, a dosage-related issue there, Salim? Um, yes. I mean, if we want higher uh, pulses basically what we need to do is first of all ideally combine GHRH and GHRP together rather than taking them alone mm -hmm. yep. um, uh, because yeah. uh, there is so much we can use uh, these GHRH and GHRPs also okay. because uh, at high doses uh, not only they don't work well but yeah. also you can start to have certain uh, issues, uh, side effects okay. with these so, hormones also. So if you combine them together, basically, you can have a serious pulse and you can use actually uh, more than once a day. So you can use three, four, even five times a day. Okay. okay. So um, there is a, an upper limit though, and it's not a case of uh, more is better, like there's a, an optimal amount, mm. and going beyond that is not going to see uh, a huge amount of benefit, correct? Exactly, that's okay. correct. All right, Salim, just to sort of go around the nuts and bolts of that as well, in terms of uh, nutrition or training and things like that, are there any things special you have to sort of be wary of when using peptides or is it just to take the standard approach you would usually use for hypertrophy chuck in the peptides and your result will be you know five to ten percent better there for example or do you have to then change the way you structure a meal plan and a training program as well i mean uh one slight difference is uh, uh, i don't think it's necessarily a big concern but since you're able to recover faster so you, you, you'll need to adjust your training a little bit, uh, meaning that you can actually work a little, or you can actually train a little harder. Yep, more frequent. Yep. Or maybe more frequent. Okay. Um, and nutrition-wise, uh, because you'll be burning a little more, so you may need to increase uh, overall your, you know, your calorie a little more. Okay. Uh, okay. So increasing the metabolic rate a little bit. Yeah. What about? But uh, what's really important, uh, ma yep. maybe it's uh, worth mentioning here, is uh, the, especially GHRP and GHRH, uh, and especially GHRP. Uh, it has to be taken on an empty, empty stomach in order to get get a good effect. Mm. Um, so that's probably important to mention here. Okay. okay. So if you were taking that up to the two to four times or two to five times a day, you'd have to put a bit of thought into where you were structuring your meals, when you were having your training to allow for the empty stomach and the time that you take them. Exactly. Okay, right. okay so that's the, the GHRHs and the GHRP, and we spoke about growth hormone, so our listeners getting a little bit of an idea of uh, the different uh, peptides that are out there. Uh, specific hypertrophy, so if we weren't trying to elevate growth hormone, obviously 
uh, the growth hormone producing the, the pulses in the body and then the end product is the IGF-1 levels are uh, increased and the IGF-1 is the anabolic uh, hormone that's going to see the, all the uh, positive uh, effects of uh, muscle protein synthesis and everything that happens, the, the magic that happens within the muscle. Um, our listeners would be aware that IGF-1 is also a peptide that you could take. So talk us through IGF-1, what would be the advantage of taking uh, the GHRP and the GHRHs? Obviously that would be a, a more natural scenario, so I get that. What about if you went, uh, hypertrophy was the name of the game, and you went straight to the IGF-1, would that be advantageous or is the IGF-1 site specific? Can you can you use the IGF-1 to work on particular muscles? Like what? What's the, the attraction with just straight IGF-1? I mean, there are all kinds of uh, growth hormone factors, but IGF-1 overall, we know that it's the most important one. Yep. Uh, the big player, uh, I would say at least 80% of uh, anabolic benefits through this GH route comes from that. Um, therefore, it's uh, probably the most important one. Uh, so we can definitely take it right away now. Uh, there are all kinds of different forms of uh, IGF-1 available. Yep. Um, one thing to be concerned, I guess, with IGF-1 uh, is one of the biggest side effects, in my opinion, is uh, gut enlargement. Um, okay. uh, and it's a little bit similar to GH, uh, and in my opinion, it's uh, slightly more yep. um, than GH. And apart from that, uh, some of the other side effects compared to GH, uh, it doesn't seem as important, such as, you know, insulin problem or thyroid problem. Okay. But another issue with IGF-1 would be, like, if you are using it for a long term, uh, my recommendation is, you know, those who wants to use uh, IGF-1, I don't recommend them to use for a long time. Okay. Same with GH. And if possible, I recommend them to uh, change it up. And one of the reasons is obviously so that the gut doesn't get out of hand. Uh -huh. But also, um, uh, if you are using IGF-1 all the time, and we don't know enough now, scientifically speaking, uh, if we need uh, some other um, uh, growth hormone factors high and if body is probably less likely to be producing less some of the other factors and we don't know all the inner workings yet because it's a fairly new um, uh, hormone and people are, have been using it pretty much in the last 10 years so uh, with regard to IGF-1, one of my uh, recommendations to be a little cautious and, if possible, uh, to cycle it and not use it all the time. Okay, so IGF-1, uh, a key player in hypertrophy, but it does come with the, the issue that it's uh, somewhat systemic. Yes, it's going to help grow uh, skeletal muscle tissue, but it's also going to uh, create a growth uh, in the midsection and, obviously, yeah. from anyone uh, competitive, you know, that's the last thing you want. So a bit of a, a caveat there with the IGF-1. Um, exactly. What about uh, moving on from, so they probably, I mean, I'm sure there's others. 
many other peptides out there that our listeners um, uh, you know, can look into, but they're a couple of the key players, and today we just want to give our listener a bit of an overview. What about um, if we were to move on from the hypertrophy and the anti-aging and, and, and talk about uh, injury, uh, perhaps injury prevention? Is there, uh, can we, uh, is there any peptide that we could sort of, as a, a prehab type uh, scenario, we could, we could use a peptide if we're about to embark on, for example, a contest prep, so our body could uh, survive the rigors of a, of a hard, you know, uh, eight months of training and, or slash and or, is there a peptide once uh, something does flare up some tendon issues, or uh, or even if we have surgery, maybe maybe is there anything that we could use to help us recover and get back in the gym sooner? Okay. Uh, we have two great peptides for healing purposes. Um, one of them is uh, called BPC one five seven. Okay. Yep. And th- that is very good, especially for tendons and tendon-related injuries. And uh, my favorite is TB500. So TB500 is uh, great for general healing, pretty much for everything. And as a bonus, it is very anabolic too. Uh, So TB500 could be used, let's say, if you, I mean, we used it in many different ways and we had great results. Uh, we used on people who had surgery, who wanted to recover fast, so we used TB500 mainly. Uh, and when we used it, uh, in average, we think that uh, uh, the recovery speed was at least twice as fast Okay. okay. using TB500. And another uh, way we can use TB500 is you know when you have the injury you can actually use it right near the injury and it's quite effective and the third reason i like to use once in a while if even if you have no problem because it also has uh, very good anabolic benefits uh, you can use it for preventative purposes also so before you actually have an injury you can still uh, use tb500 once in a while Right. And that will speed up your recovery regardless. So it's not going to be a loss cause totally. Okay. And if there are certain things that uh, wear and tear is building up and uh, you're getting in that you know, injury road, it can prevent that uh, before it actually happened. Yeah. Okay. So the T. Okay. So uh, you mentioned uh, for our listener the BPC. 157 if it was uh, more of a tendon related issue but if uh, our issue was uh, some sort of uh, uh, recovering from uh, surgery or or like I mentioned at the start preventative uh, measure or um, general uh, wear and tear the TB500 you mentioned would be a good option and and, uh, you can actually use these and then like you said they do have some uh, well the TB500 especially anabolic properties because it's going to enhance recovery and we know the beauty of hypertrophy is how much volume we can get in and how much we can recover Recover from from Mm. so if recovering quicker certainly be more anabolic can I ask can I ask Salim what's the the mechanism that these injury based and healing peptides work are they mimicking a body's natural response or are they how is the mechanism of working yeah Um, yeah I mean normally when uh, we hurt ourselves let's say you cut 
yourself. Uh, so the body upregulate uh, uh, tyrosine beta uh, gene to uh, produce these proteins uh, to kickstart the healing process. And that's exactly what we are doing basically with TB500. And when you take it, uh, there is excess amount of that healing protein, so the body can actually uh, heal much faster. Okay. All right. So we've got the the anti-aging and slash uh, hypertrophy with the the GH, the GHRP, GHRH. We've got the straight IGF-1, which is going to help, obviously, hypertrophy specifically. We've got the uh, injury prevention slash recovering peptides. We're starting to get a little bit of an overall picture here. I'm going to rattle through some more that I want you to touch on today, Salim, if you could. Myostatin inhibitors, you know, for our listeners that might be aware of uh, this myostatin gene, which is basically how I understand it, is the like a gene in your, uh, your DNA that tells the body you have enough muscle or, um, you know, limits how much hypertrophy you can actually uh, put on. Uh, famously speaking, our listeners might be aware of Flex Wheeler, apparently did not have the myostatin gene. And in the matter of, you know, three weeks, he could uh, get ready for the Olympia type thing because he was such a freak. Um, are there a class of peptide that um, I think the, 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 the folostatin, maybe we could talk about that one. Is that uh, what's the mechanism there? And uh, do they hold some promise in the future for being a peptide to uh, deactivate the myostatin gene and from a hypertrophy perspective? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I think the future of bodybuilding will definitely uh, be written with these uh, myostatin gene-related products in the future. Uh, and we are now scratching the f- surface. Okay. And uh, so we have a couple of products there, human myostatin propeptide. Uh, we have ACE031. Um, and then we have this folistatin. Uh, so basically, I'll briefly talk about folistatin. What folistatin does is um, we, we have a folistatin protein in our body too, by the way. Yep. Um, and we produce some of it. And when we produce folistatin, it contracts with myostatin. So it inhibits uh, the myostatin effect. Um, so myostatin cannot manifest its effect uh, and uh, limit the muscle growth as much. Okay. Basically, if you don't limit the muscle growth, uh, you can grow much faster and easier. Mm. And one thing that uh, worth mentioning is somehow, even if you don't eat as much, uh, then it's still easier to build if you don't have uh, enough myostatin in your body. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then uh, you can be much leaner, you can have worse worse diet, but you can still be better. <laughs> Sounds like the perfect yeah. peptide. <laughs> I'm gonna go get well, some today. <laughs> um, well, the, it sounds perfect, but uh, it's I wouldn't say it's quite there mm, yet. Yeah. I mean, we are able to, uh, have some good results but i think we are scratching the surface and okay. uh, in the future we'll be able to manipulate uh, better uh, and we'll be able to inhibit myostatin uh, to the level that we want basically mm. okay. okay fascinating 
So Salim, as we start to wrap things up a little bit, it really sounds like from the peptide perspective that if done uh, under professional guidance and yep. with the right dosage and everything else set up, that it's quite a, a risk-free way to go about enhancing life, whether it's injury prevention, anti-aging or building muscle. Is there any population that should stay away from these? I mean, I've heard the concerns that, you know, if there is an existing growth or a cancer or something, that elevating your growth hormone production is going to accelerate the growth of that. I mean, is that true? Are there people that should stay away from these things? I mean, uh, that's like researchers are debating on that. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily, uh, like, if someone has a tumor, it would be probably wise that they stay away uh, unless their doctor recommends. But okay. even then, uh, it's debatable if they definitely should be or not. Uh, that's up to the debate. Mm. Uh, but I still would. Um, but apart from that, most of the uh, growth hormone-releasing hormones and growth hormone-releasing peptides, they are really safe. Uh, in fact, in my opinion, much better than GH. Yeah, One man. thing we forgot to talk, there is another oral form of, it, it works more like a GHRP, MK677, uh, that's oral form, it's okay. considered SARM, but it uh, increases uh, and it, it initiates uh, uh, GH pulses in the body, uh, that's also a great product. Okay. Um, so in terms of uh, side effects, uh, these I would uh, put them in a very uh, uh, much better than even GH. We, we all know that GH is not very bad product, yep. but these are even better in my opinion. Well, I was going to say the growth hormone, um, I mean, you could any anti-aging clinic these days with, uh, and their men's clinics are popping up all over the place and, uh, you know, it seems like a, a normal prescription or a supplementation for someone that is a little older to improve quality of life so if the peptides are even better than the the growth hormone then um, certainly where it stands today it, it seems to be um, uh, relatively speaking issue free um, what about the fact that uh, I hear this banded around and and you actually mentioned when you're talking a, a little bit about I think the myostat inhibitors and um, uh, you know, it is a relatively new science and you're still just scratching the surface with some of these. Is it uh, still a bit of a caveat, you know, like it is more research will come out, but at this point in time it appears to be quite safe with with uh, li little uh, negative health concerns when used uh, correctly through a professional. But is there that caveat that it is a still a new science and um, we'll see what the future holds? Um, yeah, there uh, there is quite a bit of that, especially uh, I would say with myostatin proteins overall, because we still don't understand 100%, uh, and because they are fairly new, uh, people have been using them maybe in the last uh, you know, 10 years. We still don't have enough data to uh, to really tell the exact story, you know, how safe they are. But we know that. Fairly speaking, it's quite safe in general, especially if it's done properly. Okay. Um, and the other uh, thing that maybe uh, people should be cautious is when they are using uh, high dose of GH and uh, GH factors um, because of potential side effects and gut enhancement and so on. Yeah, okay. the ones we mentioned, the yep. insulin resistance and 
get enhancement in the carpal tunnel. All right. All right, Salim, that was a, a pretty decent overview of, uh, of peptides and, um, and what they actually do and a bit of an insight into, you know, the fact that they, um, they can actually be used for a ton of uh, health benefits. I think you mentioned, Tom, that you have a client that uh, has, um, amongst other things, she wants to put muscle mass on, but I think she's got a lot of uh, joint issues and, and, and pain, and so the peptides are hopefully going to sort stuff out for her. Um, I guess it is still a banned substance for professional athletes, and we're not suggesting that uh, we're encouraging people to go down that route. But if they are interested, obviously, uh, you know, it might be worth looking into and finding a. I know in Sydney there's a there's a peptide clinic that uh, quite a few uh, uh, people I know have been to. Mm. Uh, the guy in there, Dr. John Hart, seems to have a reasonable grasp on everything. He's a pretty switched-on guy. So there are avenues that our listeners can uh, pursue, and depending on where they are, I'm sure they can find out um, ways to explore this side of things. But um, it seems like it's, uh, you know, if you are in the business of uh, uh, building muscle and, uh, and uh, you know, injury prevention and uh, anti-aging and a ton of different reasons why you might want to consider the use of peptides, I think it's, uh, for some, it, it's a, a worthy pursuit to have a look mm. at that side of things, especially considering, um, you know, the reality is that a lot of people will turn to uh, the use of anabolics to achieve their their hypertrophy and their aesthetic goals so if there's a safer alternative to that why not explore it why not explore it yeah i think it's um a very interesting uh field of, of supplementation the peptides Salim, thank you so much for your time on the show. I think um, from my perspective as someone not knowing very much about it, my understanding of what a peptide is and what it does and which avenue to take is vastly improved. So I thank you for that and I hope that our listeners have got the same benefit. Yep. And once again, thank you for being on the program. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Salim. I'll I'll chat to you soon and um, really appreciate your time today. Thank you. All right, mate. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. What a fascinating interview. There's a wealth of knowledge. An absolute wealth of knowledge there. Yeah. Salim Satir. Very humble, very knowledgeable guy. Yep. And uh, that was a real pleasure to get him on. Very eye-opening from my perspective. Yeah. Rawdon at a very basic... Warts and all, I think you could say that was. Yeah. At, at a, a base level, those um, the anti-aging peptides, I mean, yeah. look, it's a it's a very strong case for doing that. <laughs> you take a 15-day course twice a year. Mm. And what did he say? It was, it was a five or ten year life increase or yeah, something ridiculous. Yeah. Wow. Lengthens the actual telomeres of the cell. Fascinating stuff. Love the telomeres. So from a hypertrophy perspective, from a, uh, a joint pain. Exactly, exactly. And there's lots of, uh, you know, like we discussed with the peptides, it's uh, 98% plus purity. Otherwise, yes. they do very little. And of course, the pre- uh, genetic uh, potential of the individual also influences uh, whether they actually work uh, the way they should so a couple yeah. of things you you want to be aware of so i would suggest going to a, a an actual clinic mm. and getting um professionally prescribed rather mm. than just uh, sourcing online because yeah. you don't know what you're getting yeah that, but, that's um, a very good point i mean look rod maybe if the listener wants to know more about it drop us an email uh podcast at iconph.com.au yeah we might go and source uh, dr john hart he's the he's the head doctor at the sydney peptide clinic we can find out some more information from well, him well i'll be the guinea pig tom yeah. i'll get in there yeah. <laughs> lurking in the gray areas <laughs> that's it i'll go and do that for the listener research yeah, yeah. Research. sounds good mate sounds good dan garner was on i look forward to seeing him next uh, next week 
He'll come on and get really right into the meat and nuts yep. of recovery from a training perspective, but that was fantastic. And um, the modafinil and him being proceed with caution. Yes, and uh, find us at the Dubois method on uh, Instagram, Instagram, and Facebook, Facebook and, uh, and uh, TomHewitt.com.au. Very good. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye bye. See ya.